Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Yeah, and so tonight I'm actually going to preach a message called More Than a Dunk. And it's about the significance of water baptism. More than a dunk. And so I think this will stir your faith. I hope that it gives you a, a greater revelation, appreciation of water baptism. If you are baptised, I hope it increases your thankfulness for that and awareness of it, prepares your hearts for Sunday. But also if you're here and you're not baptised, I hope this encourages you and stirs you. And so we're going to be encouraged by the Word of God around water baptism. More than a dunk. Who likes that title? That's good. So let's pray everybody before I get into it and let's just ask the Lord to speak to us. So Father, we thank You so much for tonight. God, we're so grateful for Friday Night Church and Lord, we just are so grateful that we can be in Your house and we thank You for this time right now, Lord, to sit under Your Word. We just invite You, God, to speak to us and we just ask Holy Spirit supernaturally, speak to the parts of our lives, Lord, that maybe we keep hidden, uh, speak to the areas that need to grow, need to change and I just pray, Father, that we would leave different tonight. And I'm just aware, God, that you've got a plan for tonight, for each person here. And so, God, we just pray, have your way in our hearts and our minds, Lord. And may we leave, God, looking more like you, Father, more hungry for you. And Father, more aware of you in our lives, in Jesus' mighty name. And the eighth row said, Amen. 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 Well, if you've got your Bibles, uh, we're going to read Mark chapter 1. If you don't have your Bibles, just look to this screen and uh, let's continue to pray for this one. Um, But we're going to read Mark chapter 1, verse 1, and it's going to come up on the screen for us as well. It says this, The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for Him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptised by him in the Jordan River. Who thinks that is a great name for a river? I think that is great. Verse 6, speaking of John the Baptist here, it says, John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptise with water, but He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. Verse 9 says, At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptised by John in the Jordan. Again, great name for a river. Verse 10, Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, He saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on Him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Amen. Well, everybody, water baptism, 
really does capture so much of the gospel message. And when we say gospel, we mean the good news about Jesus Christ. The the good news that through Jesus' life, death and resurrection, we have available to us forgiveness, a transformed life, freedom from sin and eternity with God in heaven. That is the good news of Jesus, that we can have a transformed life freedom from sin, forgiveness of our sins and eternity with God in heaven. You know, baptism is a type of celebration of what was in my life is no more because of the transformative power of Jesus. It is a powerful next step after salvation. And you know, I'm a pastor's kid, so I've grown up in church my whole life. And so as a pastor's kid, part of my role is to role play church at home. And so when I was younger, I was in the bath with my older brothers and Sean took it upon himself to baptise me with some bath water. And even though I've got the certificate from that, it wasn't full immersion, so I don't believe it counts. But I was baptised in the bath by my older brother, but my actual baptism was in 2006 after I'd given my life to Christ in 2005. And and when I say that, I mean of my own choice and of understanding what Christ had done for me. I made a decision to put Him first in my life. And so I got baptised in 2006. And this is a picture of it here. And that is at the Arena Joondalup in Lane 1. And... Um, That is actually Michael Jacob uh, on your left baptising me with a mullet. And there were a number of uh, people doing laps in the the lane behind. But that is a, a special time in my life where my faith in Christ was not about what my parents believed anymore. It was about what I believed. And it was about what I had received in my heart. And what, about, and what God was doing in my life. And, and baptism is an expression of your faith rather than the hope and prayer of a parent deciding for you. So I'll just say that again. Baptism is an expression of your faith rather than the hope and prayer of a parent deciding for you. A very famous quote about baptism is that baptism is an outward expression of an inward faith. And one of my Bible commentaries at home, I liked what it said. It said, the, the external act of baptism is an objective pointer to the invisible, internal reality of new birth and faith through which we are saved. I think that puts it really well. You know, John the Baptist, he was baptising people before Jesus began his ministry. And they were making a public confession by doing that of their sin and their need to be cleansed outside of means of their own. By being baptised by John, you were saying, I need cleansing of my sins. Amen. Come on. And they need to be cleansed by means not of my own. And the Bible clearly many times distinguishes water baptism as a baptism of repentance, a washing away of my old life and sin. And like I just shared about the people being baptised by John, what it is for us is it's further acknowledgement from us to God and to others of our sin and our old life and our old ways needing to be washed away. It's so funny to think about, right? I don't know if you've thought about this, but the first couple of baptisms, because I would imagine that around the Jordan River, a bit of a line's forming and you come down to the river and you see someone in the water grab someone else 
and they kind of like have a moment, dip them under the water and bring them back up. Now, I don't know if back then if they had people clapping and a photographer taking a photo of the moment. But just think about how strange for you and I that would have been. You would have been like, what are they doing? Has someone dropped something in the water and they're trying to find it? Is he trying to drown the guy? When's he going to come back up? It's quite a strange image. However, to Jewish people, this is something they would have some understanding of. And in Judaism, so in, 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 in Judaism, as a practicing Jew, they have a ritual called, apologies for my pronunciation, Tevila. Now, you can have a look at this uh, in some books about Tevila, but it's a purification process. Listen to how interesting this is. A purification process for a Jew by being fully immersed in water. And you would need to do this after a few things had caused you to be deemed unclean. So like being in contact with something dead, for example. Now, here's this, this is so cool. It needed to be full immersion in living water. And what they mean by that is a stream of moving water or, or uh, something that is active, not dead. So it's not a stagnant pool of water. So how interesting to say, if you've come into contact with something dead, you've got to be fully immersed in living water. And as a Christian, I say, amen. Now in Judaism, how interesting is this? If you are a non-Jew and you would like to convert to Judaism, you would fully immerse yourself in water privately through this ritual in order to become a Jew. So you're a Jewish person, you go to the Jordan River and you see people being dunked by someone else publicly. What are they converting to? What are they doing? Why are they in this water getting washed by somebody else? Now, all of these rituals that Jew Jewish people do, it is a private washing. Whereas baptism for you and I is public. We are saying this is not a secret. Now, we've got to be careful not to be Christians these days who say things like, my faith's very personal and very private. Well, mine's not. And none of the disciples were. And that's our model. I share this faith with billions of other people. So it's not personal. If I'm doing it right, I have no unique beliefs, insights or revelations, and I've been commissioned to share it with everyone. So it's personal in the sense that I have a personal relationship with God, but it's not unique to me. And it's certainly not private. My confession should be public, my baptism should be public, and my sharing of the gospel, I can't do it privately. It's got to be public. Some notable baptism stories in Scripture other than Jesus's is uh, in Acts 2, Peter preaches so powerfully the Gospel that 3,000 people get baptised. Can you imagine what that would look like? And we actually just uh, had a praise report from California. Pastor Mark Francie held an event in California called Baptise California and they did baptise thousands of people. Just awesome. You know, in Acts, we also read about the jailer who was baptised and Scripture tells us, if you don't know the story, that Paul and Silas are in prison and they begin to praise God and God moves and the shackles break off and that's where we get that great song from and the shackles break off and all the prisoners run out and the jailer ends up being so frightened that he's going to get punished that he goes to, to kill himself because the punishment would be worse than that and Paul and Silas stop him. It says they go back to his house, they share the gospel with him and his family, and they baptise the whole family. You know, um, when Paul had an encounter with Jesus, 
it says afterwards, he goes into Damascus and Ananias is there and he says to him, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptised and wash your sins away, calling on his name. I think that's a great message. I think you just turn to your neighbour and say, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptised. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I love that. Paul's been saved or has encountered Jesus Christ, has placed Christ as God in his life at this time for all of five minutes and Ananias says to him, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptised, wash your sins away, calling on his name. You know, there's a wonderful story uh, in Acts as well about a eunuch who gets baptised. And um, I'm not going to go into that. Pastor Luke's going to do a message on that at a later date. <laughs> but it's going to come up on the screen. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Uh, it says, this is a great story. Lots of great things in here. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandak, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you were reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. It's such a cool story. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. And we know that this passage is talking of Jesus. It says, He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Verse 34, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they travelled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptised? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptised him. There's the answer to the question. Nothing. <laughs> Verse 39. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and travelled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. What stands in the way? You know, there's good precedent here and throughout Scripture for obey in faith and understand after. Did this eunuch understand everything about the Christian faith? Absolutely not. He just heard about it for the first time. And his question is, what stands in the way of me getting baptised right now? And the answer is, let's baptise you right now. You know, it's not often that as pastors we would say to people, hey, don't pray about it. Uh, but some things in Scripture are so clear that we would say, hey, don't pray about it. When someone says, hey, I'm considering taking a second wife. Listen, don't pray about it. It's not biblical. <laughs> I'm just really praying about it. Just stop. Just stop. But it's like when someone has become a Christian, they put their faith in Christ and they're saying, look, I now identify with Jesus Christ. I believe in His life, death and resurrection being the way by which I can be saved. Time to get baptised. Yeah, don't pray about it. And listen, it's not done to identify uh, an affiliation with a certain group or denomination, but to identify with Jesus Christ. 
How important is it? Well, let's listen to the great commission from Jesus just before He ascends to heaven. Uh, Matthew 28 verse 16 is going to come up for us. It says, Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know, certainly back then and for us today, baptism is a declaration to God, a, a declaration to Satan and everyone else and every other thing going on that I identify with the living Saviour, Jesus Christ. I identify with His life, His death and His resurrection. So I've got three points of what baptism shows us. And number one is this, baptism shows us Christ over my past. Now I want to, I think it's going to come up, but I'm going to read Colossians 2 verse 9. I'll just preface this scripture reading with saying it does have a bit in here about circumcision. I'm not going to go into that. Again, Pastor Luke will do that at a later date. <laughs> There's some complexities to this, this passage, but uh, we're going to mainly focus on the part about baptism. And I'll just invite you to really focus here. In Jesus' name. It's going to come up on the screen. Colossians 2 verse 9 to 12. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. I'll just stop there. I reckon that scripture is so great. You could spend a lot of time speaking on that. And I think Pastor Luke will do that at a later date. But I'll actually read that scripture in King James Version. I just think it's really cool. Uh, it says in the King James 2 Colossians 9 verse 9, uh, sorry, Colossians 2 verse 9 says, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That's so cool. Verse 10, And in Christ... You have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In Him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Verse 12, having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Sorry, let me just read verse 12 again. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. So Jesus on the cross, everybody, this is an important picture to get, is that on the cross, the Scripture tells us that Jesus took the weight of all of our sin. And this picture is painted of His sin being buried in Christ's body and put to death on the cross. But then Christ rose again without it. So our sins buried in His body, put to death. He rises to new life without our sin. He rose without it. And Scripture tells us that He takes our sin and He throws it as far as the, the east is from the west and remembers it no more, that we are made white as snow. And, and baptism acts as a sort of reflection of what Christ did, that you are burying your old life in the water and you're coming up to new life and leaving the old behind. At salvation, the, the process that we call sanctification begins at salvation. So your sin and its hold on your life begins to be put to death in your life. The possibility for that to take place, you being able to do that is released at salvation. And so I like to put it this way, my sin died 
in January and I held the funeral in April. I gave my life to Christ and was saved in January and that process was able to begin in my life. I could begin to be sanctified, set apart, set free by Christ. I'm enabled to do that through salvation. Then at my baptism, we held the funeral. Christ over my past. You know, at this Sunday, in a way, we're holding a big funeral. We're holding a big funeral for the old lives that are gonna stay under the water as people rise up to new life. We're holding a sort of funeral to commemorate that you're leaving behind something and rising to something new. It's a great big celebration for people rising to new life. And we're gonna need to bleach that pool because there's gonna be a whole lot of stuff left in the water. Figuratively, just in case you thought I meant literally. Amen. Christ over my past. Baptism shows us that. Number two, so Christ over my past. Number two, Christ with me today. Baptism shows us that Christ is over my past and that He's with me today. Christ is with us today by His Spirit, by His Word. Feel free to say Amen. Amen. Romans 6 verse 1 to 14 says this, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into His death? We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Verse five, for if we have been united with Him in death like His, we will certainly also be united with Him in a resurrection like His. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. This is helping with the funeral analogy. Verse eight, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, He cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over Him. The death He died, He died to sin once for all, but the life He lives, He lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness. Last verse in 14, for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. Amen, amen. Hey, a great quote that speaks to this is is G.K. Chesterton said, a dead thing can go with the stream but only a living thing can go against it. A dead thing can go with the stream, but only a living thing can go against it. That's kind of like the process I was talking about that starts at salvation. You don't have the capacity to even begin the journey with Christ and step into what He has until that moment. And then at baptism, you're rising to new life and you can begin to go against the flow of culture, against the flow of the the enemy and step into what Christ has for you. Baptism reminds us that Christ is with us this side of eternity. Baptism is a reminder that Christ is with us this side of eternity. 
as salvation secures the other side of eternity, baptism releases you for this side. Jesus was baptised prior to His ministry beginning. And I believe baptism further sets apart your life for service to God. We're baptised into something. You know, salvation can, you know, we can identify as we're being saved from and baptism can be identified as saved to devotion to God. Baptism shows us Christ over my past, Christ with me today. And the last point, number three, Christ in my eternity. So I'll just invite the worship team to come and join me. Christ over my past, Christ with me today, Christ in my eternity. And we're going to lead, read one last passage of Scripture, uh, 1 Peter 3, verse 18. It says this, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the Spirit. After being made alive, He went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And check this out in verse 21. And this water symbolises baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities and powers in submission to Him. Uh, that scripture there in 21, it says, baptism that now saves you also. But I like that Peter immediately just adds some context so that we don't think that we're saved through baptism. He says, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. Baptism saves not as an outward act, but through the inward faith that it's expressing. So baptism saves not as an outward act, but through the inward faith that it's expressing. Faith in Christ's resurrection means uh, that we can have right standing with God. When Peter's speaking of the pledge of a clear conscience toward God, that I might make things right with God. We are eternal, everybody. And where we spend it is not based on something we do, not even baptism but based on something we received. We are eternal and where we spend it is not based on something we do, but something we received. Baptism is an outward expression of something that you have received on the inside. Baptism's an outward celebration, an outward statement of something you've received on the inside. And it is eternal life. Something supernatural happens at baptisms because we celebrate the washing away of the past we celebrate relationship with Christ today and we celebrate the paradise to come, eternity with God the Father in heaven. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us and special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member, and let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.